and today we're going to be talking about a disease that has affected nearly everyone I know. We're going to be talking about cancer. Before we start on our whistle-stop tour of cancer, we need to remember a few uh, salient points about our immune system. The first one is that MHC thing. Remember MHC, MHC molecules? and what it is they do, because these play a central role in our identification of cancer, our immune system identification of cancer. The MHC molecule itself, its role is to display any internally processed antigens. That's either antigens that have gotten there because they've been phagocytosed, or they have gotten there because they're in the cytosol and they're being processed. So, for example, if you have viral RNA, and it is making lots of viral proteins, those proteins will be in the cytosol. Also, you need to remember that there is an innate immune system, and this works through the processes of phagocytosis, opsonization, and the complement system, so try and remember those. And when we also have our adaptive immune system, so that's uh, T-cells, which are our helper and cytotoxic T-cells, and our antibodies. The adaptive immune system works by binding to MHC molecules and foreign antigen on infected cells. And our helper cells bind to MHC2 and cytotoxic T cells bind to MHC1. And this is a recap of everything you should know about immunology. And in doing so, that's going to make the next uh, 45 minutes really easy for you because this is a, a lot to take in. So today I'm going to be talking about the immunity to cancer and the fact that we do have an immune system response to cancer. There is a large body of evidence to support that the fact that the immune system is incredibly involved in fighting cancer, believe it or not. And when we see cancer, it tends to be the end stage, the point at which our immune system either hasn't worked or our cancers are, are very aggressive ones. So if we first of all look at animal studies, um, there is a gene called RAG, recombinant activating gene. And the purpose of this gene is to repair double-stranded DNA breaks exclusively in lymphocytes. So we have a gene that repairs our cells normally, double, our DNA, if there's any problems in our DNA. And this RAG gene only does this in our T cells and our B cells. So if we knock this gene out, we can breed animals that don't have this gene, so you're called a rag knockout gene. They don't repair the natural damages that occur to our T cells and our B cells. And as a consequence of which, you don't have T cells, B cells or natural killer cells. So what happens to these animals that have no T cells, B cells and natural killer cells? Well, what happens is, is that they get um, carcinogen-induced tumours much more easily than um, those that don't. So if you compare what we call a wild-type mouse, so that's a mouse that's just normal, it's not had anything bad happen to it, and you compare it with one of these RAG2 knockout mice, you find that if you uh, expose these animals to carcinogens that you find on a day-to-day -day basis, um, that the levels of uh, tumours uh, increases significantly. Also, you find in these animals that there is a large number of them will get uh, spontaneous tumours. 
uh, for example, um, intestinal tumours and uh, lung cancers and breast and breast cancers. So uh, you get a significant increase in uh, adenomas and adenocarcinomas. So that's animal models. If we also then look at uh, HIV and cancer, for example, we know that people who have HIV are immunosuppressed because the HIV is targeting our immune cells. And there will be a lecture on HIV uh, very shortly. People with AIDS and HIV during their lifetime, 30 to 40 percent of them will develop a, a malignancy during their lifetime. And the majority of cancers that affect HIV positive people are those as described as AIDS defining. So Carposi's sarcomas, which are um, sort of these blemishes, they look like sort of red dots on your skin. And if you've ever seen the film uh, Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, he ended up with lots of Carposi's sarcomas on them. You also find um, high levels of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and also invasive cervical cancers. Then if we can say that the people with HIV who are immunosuppressed um, get cancers, what about evidence of people who are immunosuppressed with drugs? So you know that people who are on cancer treatments, for example, have uh, immunosuppression. Also people who um, have to sort of have transplants and things, they are immunosuppressed. And the reason that, you know, the reason is, is that we give these immunosuppressant drugs uh, post-transplant so that you will accept the um, foreign uh, organ. And actually there is an increase of getting different types of cancers post-transplant because of the immunosuppressive drugs that are being taken. So you find that immunosuppression is associated with melanoma, uh, bladder cancer, colon cancer, uh, lung cancer, pancreatic cancer and kidney tumor. So being immunosuppressed is actually a pathway to getting different types of cancer. Experimentally, well, if you um, want to induce a tumor experimentally, uh, you can give carcinogens and these demonstrate a very weak uh, production of a, an immune response. Um, spontaneous animal tumours also really do produce a weak immune response. But the strongest immune response uh, that we mount a response to tend to be those that are associated with viruses and ultraviolet associated tumours like skin cancers. So um, viral associated tumours. And, and because they do produce such a strong immune response, they're very good candidates for vaccination, for example, human papillomavirus. So human papillomavirus is, um, we can get vaccinated for it now with Gardasil. It is incredibly uh, effective as a, as a vaccine because human papillomavirus uh, creates cervical warts but can also be um, created, can create uh, different types of oral cancers as well. And I think vaccination now in the UK is given to both boys and girls, as it, as it, as it should be, to be honest. So we know that because of that, you can, you, if you create a good immune response, that means you will be able to create memory. And go back to that, uh, the vaccination lecture to understand why it is that, uh, how it is that we can create memory and the principles of vaccination. It's exactly the same with HPV. So these create very good immune responses. And... What is it exactly that we, we produce? What do we do? How, do our immune, how does our immune system fight 
How does it work? So there has to be evidence of that. And there is a lot of evidence that we produce really strong immune responses to tumours. We find that if you look at the histologies of many tumours, they are surrounded by mononuclear cell infiltrates. That's your innate immune system cells, monocytes, uh, macrophages, neutrophils, those types of things. T lymphocytes are there, natural killer cells and macrophages. Now, if we look at lymph nodes, and for anyone who's ever had a cancer or knows someone who's had a cancer, they always take a biopsy of the lymph node that is nearest to the area of the cancer. And lymph nodes are a draining site of cancer of, of tumour growth. And you find that in people who are fighting, actively fighting cancers, you find lots of activated T cells and B cells and activated macrophages. And in some cancers, this actually leads to a better prognosis. So what is it? So clearly, most people think, they say, well, tumor cells, they're just your cells that are growing a bit strangely. And while this is true, there is also something that can differentiate them from your normal cell. So tumor characteristics do have a few characteristics that our immune response can identify. So what are these? So the first thing is, is that tumours can make specific antigens, that is proteins that are unique to them as tumours and therefore they can be identified as tumours. They produce cytokines, so they, if you have a, and, and the reason they do this is that it enables them to grow, it enables them to communicate with all the cells around them. Tumour cells cannot grow more than about two millimetres in diameter without requiring a lovely blood supply. So therefore, having cytokines that help them grow blood vessels is uh, quite an important way that tumours are able to continue to grow and expand. They also have this nasty habit of decreasing levels of, of MHC on the cell. Now, if you remember, the major histocompatibility complex one... Uh, enables your cell to identify antigens that are being produced by your cell. And if you don't have MHC1, you become invisible to your T cells. These cells are still self though, so your immune system has to somehow distinguish all of this from a normal cell. So how does the immune system distinguish uh, a cancerous neoplastic cell from a normal cell? So normally you have normal self proteins, you've got MHC on them and antigens, and that's all really great. And your T cells will look at that cell and say, well, it looks fine. Sometimes the what, what makes tumor antigens tumor antigens is that uh, we recognize those tumor antigens because they essentially have been mutated. So carcinogen or radiation induced animal tumors. Um, and some melanomas make, basically make your self-proteins mutate, your own pure proteins mutate, and, and your immune system can recognise that. Sometimes you find that you have a production of um, an oncogene or a mutated tumour suppressor gene, um, and these produce proteins which your T-cells can recognise, antigens that they can recognise. Sometimes a tumour can overexpress or weirdly express, or we'll use the posh word, aberrantly express your own proteins. And in these instances, your T cells can also recognise that. 
And then finally, you have the um, production of antigens that literally are foreign. So viral proteins, so oncogenic viruses, that is tumor inducing viruses like human papillomavirus. It is a virus. It's foreign. Um, and also you have Epstein-Barr viruses as well. Someone once told me it was it's uh, Epstein-Barr virus you can catch from uh, from mistletoe, but I'm not sure if that's the kissing or the mistletoe itself that does that. Anyway, so tumors express these antigens. They are recognized as non-self by the immune system. And because of that, you then can um, classify tumor antigens based on their patterns of expressions. They can be tumor specific. That means the tumor itself produces them or they are associated with them. So you find that the tumor creates a system where whatever it's making can also be associated very closely with the tumor. So what is it our immune system will do? So we can see clearly that you are making cytotoxic T cells uh, first up, right? Cytotoxic T cells recognize the tumor antigen on the foreign molecule. In addition to the cytotoxic T cells, we've also got the production of antibodies. Who knew you produced antibodies against tumors? Yeah. We've got the macrophages, which are very effective at responding to tumors, and also natural killer cells. Our innate uh, responses to tumors are that uh, we have these macrophages where you find that sometimes tumor-associated macrophages make up about 20% of tumor tissue. So they really do hone into the tissue itself. They're also the source, the macrophages are also the source of lots of cytokines and chemokines that create an inflammatory response around the tumor. And that's what you want. You want your immune system to respond. You want inflammation. We've also got uh, neutrophil responses where neutrophils um, will release reactive oxygen species, uh, proteases and calprotectin cytokines and chemokines and essentially these are our normal bog standard responses where they will cause um, massive inflammation phagocytosis of the tumor and will go on to activate the uh, adaptive immune response finally i don't know natural killer cells uh, i don't know if they're sort of innate or adaptive or somewhere in between but our natural killer cells um, are really really important in our fighting against tumors now, natural killer cells, um, funnily enough, have been associated. If, if, natural, if you have a poor natural killer cell function, your natural killer cells are a bit rubbish, frankly. Uh, this is associated with future metastases. Metastatic cancer, metastases are where bits of the cancer break off and they go and seed themselves somewhere else in your body. Um, it's horrendous. So you find that sometimes the breast cancers, you get metastatic, metastatic cancers in the brain, in the bone. Uh, and in the liver, I believe. So you find that you get these the really, uh, if you have poor natural killer cell function, it is associated with having um, future metastases. They found that um, in mouse models, this, this time this mouse model is called a beige mouse, potentially because it's beige, you find that uh, in this mouse where they have no natural killer cells, uh, they have an increase in spontaneous tumours. So natural killer cells, if you don't have them, you get an increase in spontaneous tumours. And then finally, um, you find that 
if you have abnormal metas- uh, abnormal natural killer cell function, you find you have a high association with future uh, metas- with meta- metastatic cancers. So natural killer cells are really spontaneously cytolytic. That means they kill tumor cells really, really effectively. And if you remember, natural killer cells themselves are they work in the same way they're killing the mechanism of killing is the same as a T cell in the sense that it adopts perforin and granzyme. That is, it has little pores that it pokes into the cell and then an enzyme follows through and switches on uh, caspases and apoptotic mechanisms in the cell. And it also has fast ligand, which is the sort of the, the ligand that fits into a receptor onto our tumor cells and causes the sort of nuclear self-destruct apoptosis to occur. So natural killer cells work through that. But unlike our T cells, they don't have a receptor. What they do have is the capacity to bind via antibodies. So if you have antibodies being produced against the tumor, the natural killer cell can then bind to those. The natural killer cell also has a lovely way of um, not requiring MHC. And in fact, it will target cells that don't have MHC. So if your tumour has a nasty habit of downregulating MHC, so your T cells just ain't going to see it, the natural killer cells will come and find it. But the natural killer cells don't require uh, MHC, but they don't have the T cell receptor either. So therefore, actually finding the tumour and killing it is really sometimes dependent on the presence of antibodies. And they're really good at killing cells that have escaped T cell killing. So now let's link the innate immune system effects against cancer to the adaptive immune system to cancer. Tumor antigen expressing cells are phagocytosed by professional antigen presenting cells, so a dendritic cell. A dendritic cell will essentially eat the tumor cells. And in eating the tumor cell, it will digest it and present bits of tumor on the surface of its MHC1 and its MHC2 uh, molecules. And then obviously it's traveling up to the lymph node where it will come into uh, contact with T cells. The antigen presenting cell will present the tumor antigens to the T cells and cause their activation like we've come to know and love. The activated T cells go, they proliferate, and they go out and they'll kill all those cells that expressed that tumor antigen which activated them. So your adaptive system's anti-tumor response is that you'll have cytotoxic T cells which will kill cells using perforin and granzymes in the fast ligand fast system. You will have T helper cells which will be releasing a shed load of cytokines which are pro-inflammatory uh, interferon gamma and TNF alpha and also releasing cytokines that will cause the um, sort of activation, proper activation of cytotoxic T cells, natural killer cells, and also B cells. The dendritic cell itself will also be releasing a whole load of very nasty uh, chemicals, TNF alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha, and hydrogen peroxide, there we go, um, releasing that onto a cell and causing its, its untimely demise. So this is all happening against the tumor antigen. So our adaptive response, we find that T cells in about 70% of patients with cancer react to those tumor cells. 
the anti-tumor T-cell responses that are triggered by tumor MHC1 expression um, on those cells that express it. So we find we've got a really, really good way of killing tumors. That's our T-cells. And the principal mechanism of tumor immunity is our cytotoxic T-cells. They're brilliant. They're absolutely lethal. So cytotoxic T-cells control our tumors in tumors very early stages. But by the time normally clinically you detect a tumor, the tumor is always almost resistant to the immune system. So the other T cells that are present, we've got uh, T helper cells, these help cytotoxic T cells uh, and B cells. So these are very, very important. But what is it that they do? So your T helper cells, not only do they help by causing activation of things, they can also promote the production of T regulatory cells. And also they produce this cytokine interferon gamma. It's been shown that if you transfer CD4 T helper cells in severely compromised immunodeficient mice, they get protection against tumours, right? So these are mice that don't have immune system. But if you put CD4 cells, they're actually quite protected. Now, we normally think of CD4 T helper cells as just being in the middle, not doing very much. Actually, CD4 seems to be quite protective and they think it might be because of the production of interferon gamma from these CD4 T cells. If you then, you've added the CD4 T cells to these poor mice, if you then, in addition to that, give something which takes away interferon gamma, so you give them a neutralizing antibody, a neutralizing solution that takes away interferon gamma, the protection that is conferred by CD4 is abolished. CD4 produced, um, produces interferon gamma, which confers some sort of protection. It's not to do with interferon gamma receptors on the tumor, so we don't really quite know. But the point is, is that in this instance against tumors, CD4 cells aren't just merely kind of pivotal, you know, you know in that sort of sense that they enable all the other cells. They themselves have a really good uh, fighting action. And interferon is known to uh, have an innate protection against things. Let's now look at the production of antibody against uh, tumours. So we know, again, we can look at antibody type. People do find that in cancer patients, there are very high titers, that's means high levels of immunoglobulin G against the tumour. So immune, you are making antibodies that will bind to the tumour. And we also find antibodies against ourselves. And therefore, because of this, Monoclonal antibodies are a really valuable treatment against uh, tumours. So how is it they work? And again, it's the same principle by which antibodies work. Antibodies work by activating the classical complement pathway, if you remember the classical complement pathway. The uh, classical complement pathway causes uh, opsonization of fragments. It causes uh, phagocytosis and it also uh, creates these little membrane attack uh, complexes. And that essentially is what is what will happen to your tumor cell. Your tumor cell will have the activation of the classical complement pathway. It will basically be covered in opsonic fragments, so it will be phagocytosed more readily. It will have holes poked in it through the membrane attack complex. And generally, a large amount of inflammation will occur, which will attract all sorts of other white blood cells. 
And because of that, you find that the complement system is quite, quite important. Antibodies also have their own way of killing. So there's antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity. Antibodies themselves um, can cause um, opsonization and act as opsonic fragments. So go to the B-cell antibody lectures um, on other podcasts, actually, which will tell you um, how those things work. So there is a really big and important way by which our antibodies work. And these flood our bodies. So, so they go everywhere. And don't forget, antibodies don't actually do killing, but they enable killing. So by activating complement, by antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity, by promoting phagocytosis, and also agglutination. They can do all of these different things. So in this first part of this lecture, the summary of the mechanisms by which our immune system fights cancers are that we know that uh, when you suppress your immune system, you're going to get cancer. It's associated with cancer. We know that the, according to different types of uh, tumours, different different, you will have a different type of immune response. We know that our cytotoxic T cells play a central role via the FAS, FAS ligand and perforin granzyme, and they are really key in fighting it. And we know that our CD4T helper cell help is also needed because perhaps because of the production of interferon gamma. We also know that natural killer cells have the most potent anti-tumor effects because they uh, act as a sort of metastatic cancer, sort of sweeping things up. And uh, finally, in summary, we know that our innate immune system is increasingly recognized as important. Again, I really want to iterate that this podcast is not here to provide you with medical advice. It's really just for informational purposes only. It's not a substitute for professional medical advice, for diagnosis or treatment. Goodness me, heaven forbid, never ignore professional medical advice in seeking treatment because of something you've listened to here in my Grand Science Art podcasts. If you think you've got a medical emergency, if you need help, go and call your doctor. Uh, and go and see your GP. Okay, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.